Thank you for being a listener of the We Are LA Tech podcast. To support and collaborate with the community, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener. You'll have ad-free episodes and join us on our monthly Zoom calls with other podcast listeners and get to know the community at wearelatech.love. Linked in the show notes. I think that there are a lot of podcasts, but I think at the same time, a lot of them are so similar that it's not as hard as people think to come up with a different way of packaging audio content. I'm Alex Bloomberg, host of the podcast Startup, and you're listening to We Are LA Tech. My name is Esprit Devora, born and raised LA, and I created We Are LA Tech in 2012 to unify the community. Podcast launched in 2014, continuing to help people find the best talent, to connect with each other, to form awesome relationships. So proud of this show. Enjoy. Yes, the Women in Tech podcast Puma Collection is now live and available at shop.womenintechshow.com. That's shop.womenintechshow.com. Make sure to send us a confirmation of your order because we have something extra special, a little surprise for you. Reach out to us on any of the social handles at Women in Tech Show on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, and we will make sure to get you the extra special surprise. The hoodies and fleeces are so sick. You guys voted on them, decided which ones we should roll with, and I absolutely love it. Check out the photos that we have on the site, shop.womenintechshow.com. That's shop.womenintechshow.com. Today's We Are LA Tech episode shout out goes to Chris Miles. Chris Miles, thank you for being such a longtime member of the We Are LA Tech community and just championing everything that we do. Really appreciate you. Be sure to say hello to Chris on Twitter at Miles Next Door. That's M I L E S N E X T D O O R. Miles Next Door. Let Chris know you found him via We Are LA Tech. Join thousands of people in LA Tech on our We Are LA Tech Facebook group where you can discover events, job opportunities, and even housing. Go to wearelatech.com slash community. We'll take you straight there. That's wearelatech.com slash community. Clutter. Oh my gosh. Have I had so much clutter everywhere for so long. Just, it's like I don't even see it anymore because I'm just walking past it all the time. I don't know if you've experienced the same. So what I've been doing is I've just made it my intention that before this year ends, 2020 ends, I will really proactively and aggressively get rid of the clutter. I do not want to be going into a reset of a new year with old baggage, right? And so just clutter. And I found this amazing guy off of TaskRabbit. His name is Brandon. Message me if you're in LA and you want his information. He's so reliable, so trustworthy. He's been incredible at helping me get rid of the clutter. But if anything, go out, find your local organizer to help you, especially with the holidays coming up. We want to feel like a good, clean, like abundant, high-frequency start to the new year. And we definitely don't want to be drowned by our clutter. I know that I don't. 
And honestly, it's something that I could have done when I was studying James Clear, which I also want to get back into before uh, the new year. James Clear is the author of Atomic Habits. He talks about just doing things for two minutes at a time. And I got so much done doing things that way, just two minutes done, because you end up doing a little bit more. Well, when I try to just do it all in one day, it just doesn't happen, right? And so if I was just consistent the whole time doing two minutes a day, it would be a non-issue. And then that's when I call like an SOS to Brandon, you know? So definitely, definitely, definitely think about like your space, your surroundings, if it's giving you the most abundant atmosphere to work in, to thrive in. And if it's not like revisit it, think about how you could reprioritize your time. That's exactly what I'm doing right now at this end of year. And I'm just feeling like this conclusion of the year is going to be amazing. As I'm recording this right now, there's 26 days left in the year, maybe 25, I'm not sure, 25 or 26. And I just want to make the most of every minute, every last one of them so that I know that I am taking the action I want to take to create the life that I want. Not to sound so cheesy, but you get what I mean. All right. Bye, guys. Enjoy the episode. We are LA Tech Podcast, spotlighting LA Tech companies and talent. So excited for our next guest. Welcome, Connor. Thank you so much for having me. Wow, that was loud. I love the energy. Connor, I am so excited to have you on the show. And you're newly minted LA, right? Yeah, this is mid-pandemic. was a, a very last-minute college student taking online classes and just decided to buy a one-way ticket and, and come out here. That's crazy. And we're going to get into that in a second. But... To first kick things off, go ahead and tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. My name is Connor Robbins, and I am the host and founder of the Art of VC podcast. Think of it like how it's built by uh, Guy Raz for VC. And when were you inspired to create the Art of VC? So I was inspired after basically having a cool experience in tech and then going back to my college, which is Fordham University. I asked them, hey, like, I really like tech. Uh, this is what I want to do. How do I learn about investing in, in companies and, and startup companies? And they basically said, wait till your MBA. And so I was inspired to build it not only for myself to learn, but also to help other young, ambitious students that want to be into the venture capital asset class learn. And I'd love to get into the production of your podcast and how it took off. First, since this is the We Are LA Tech podcast and you're new to LA, how did you know what area to pick? Did you know someone? Was it intimidating? And how were you able to find the tech community, especially during this time when we're in a pandemic? I wouldn't say it was like super intimidating just because I feel like my life is a collection of very spontaneous decisions. It was definitely very exciting. I remember like literally that morning waking up and thinking like, oh my God, I'm getting on the plane today and like running. I was definitely really excited. I was very fortunate. I knew my cousin who lives in Los Feliz and she has uh, a little like guest studio on her property. So I was very fortunate and have been staying with her. Other than that, I knew one other person in like the tech community in LA. And he had been the second person I ever interviewed for my podcast. He was a serial founder from Brooklyn. So we kind of connected on like the New York to LA move. His name is Max Hellerstein. He's the founder of Extra. So the URL is extra.app. Yeah. And then he he was also the founder of Push for Pizza and a bunch of other cool companies. But he really helped me like just kind of show me around like LA, like the city, but then also like help me meet cool people. He gave me a lot of good advice and I was able to go out and just like really just start networking and hit the ground running there. And how do you network here in LA during a pandemic? 
it's very different, of course. But you know, one of the things that I always like to live by is like I think there's ign- ignorance and or sorry, bliss and ignorance. I hadn't done it before, right? Like I just moved somewhere, and so for me, it wasn't like I was trying to find a different way to do something. It was almost like, all right, like here's my objective. Like how do I get there? And so the way that I kind of approached it was, okay, cool. Let me just make a list of like. 20 people in LA that I want to meet and then find their email and just keep annoying them with emails. And that's kind of how I approach things. And I sort of made it work. Was it hard to get the guests at first because you're a new podcaster? And how have you found that having this podcast has helped establish you here in LA? So when you're reaching out cold to different people, they're receptive to you and and they're really open to talking to you. Yeah, I definitely think that there's a curve. Like at first, the first interviews that I ever got podcasting were like, I don't want to say like petty interviews, but like they definitely were like, hey, this kid has a podcast. He doesn't have any episodes yet, uh, but he has an idea. And that's that's cool. We'll help him out. And so that was my first few interviews. But what I found is once you get to like 5, 10, 15 interviews, people start to come back and they're like, oh, what's like your listener information? Like how many listeners do you get? What's the demographic? Like who's your audience? All this stuff. And so there was definitely a little bit of a curve in that it was not super hard to get the first few interviews. But then after that, it definitely got significantly more challenging to get the names that I was trying to get. But I basically just started with cold emails and I would send like uh, legitimately like 200 cold emails. And then I split it between emails and Twitter DMs, which are surprisingly response. People are surprisingly responsive, especially in tech. And then that was it. It was literally just like email after email after email. And then after a while, uh, what I noticed is not only did more people want to be on the podcast because it was more established, but for myself, like I just found myself talking in a very different way. Like I definitely like picked up a lot of like VC lingo and all that stuff. So I'd say it was very helpful in that manner too. But yeah, now it's like, I don't want to say super easy, but if I can get a hold of somebody, it's way easier to convince them to come on the podcast when I have so much to show for already. And you've been in tech for a while. Give us an overview of your involvement in the tech industry. Yeah. I mean, like, so I think that I would narrow my involvement in the tech industry down to like Generation Z tech industry. I would narrow myself into there. So when I was starting the podcast, it was very like, I don't know, it was very generic. It was just like, I'm starting a podcast in tech. I I didn't know what I was doing. My first five interviews, I look back and like I was having the same conversations that those people were having with, with other like five podcasters. So they weren't really super great. But then after you get past a certain threshold, I feel like you kind of have to say, okay, like, who's my audience? Who am I trying to target? Like, what's my purpose? And then that helps you kind of dig yourself into a little niche in the tech sphere, because it is so large, right? Like, you did such a good job, like branding yourself as like the LA tech podcast or the LA tech person. So branding myself, I was born and raised that I am the LA tech person. (laughs) You don't know, know, but a little bit of my history is Santa Monica wasn't like the hub of LA tech back in the day. And I built the first action sports social network. And I had an office coincidentally in Santa Monica with a movie theater. And I had a meetup group called Entrepreneurs Anonymous. And people would come and this is all before tech was a thing. It was before LA. Yeah, it was all before all of that. And there was a group of us like Sean Percival and like just a ton of people who are really well known now. Back then we were just all a bunch of just nerds hanging out doing barbecues, you know, Cam Kashani, I'd say she created this space. Pando Daily called her the godmother of Silicon Beach. And she created this space called Coloft and we'd all go to Coloft and we'd have, and that's how I met Cam. She came to my Entrepreneurs Anonymous when they were building the building for Coloft. And she said, 
said, I, you know, I'm building a co-working space. I said, well, what's co-working? <laughs> and and it, she's like, it was in San Francisco. It's amazing. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> it's this new cool thing. You know? Yeah. And so she would have these pizza things. We'd have Eric Reese, you know, with Lean Startup come in and tons of different thought leaders in the world fly into LA. Ashton Kutcher invested in Zarly. I believe I'm remembering that it was a startup weekend, like hack, hackathon and so much great stuff happened at Koloft. And I really think Koloft created the seeds that planted the magic that made LA one of the top tech cities in the world. But I am the LA tech podcast. Do not take that away from me. <laughs> I will it not. I'll, not I'll stay branding. small enough. I'll stay burrowed in like my VC, <laughs> like Gen Z VC uh, little hole. But thank you for the compliment. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've heard Ashton Kusher is like was really big in tech, and then I like started learning more about VC and like just talking to different venture capitalists. And obviously, like we're trending in a direction where uh, this whole like time period is like really like the rise of the solo capitalist. And Ashton Kusher is somebody that's like really taking charge, and he like leads a lot of like the celebrities that invest. From what I know, he's seen, I've met him once and he seems like a really nice person. So, and then what happened? So you're creating your show and talk to us about the Gen Z of tech. Yeah. So, I mean, like, to be honest, I didn't really know much. And so I basically started reaching out to my friends because, because right, like my friends that are in college were in the demographic I was trying to target. And I was like, all right, like, well, what are you guys looking for? I mean, like, like I have this platform now and like, I can ask questions that I want, but I also want to ask questions that you guys want. And so I basically would just talk to them for feedback and, and like find out what they wanted to hear. And like a few of the things that they really liked were just like, super actionable like stories they like they like the narrative style and so that's how that was kind of born and so i basically also tried to like build my own narrative through that like i was helping tell the story of like vcs and how you know they were investing in these multi-billion successful dollar successful deals but then i was also like starting to think about my own like beginning to my career as a narrative and so i would always try to like be very spontaneous and like i would really, really pester people on email. And, um, there were a few times where like I would book, uh, you know, like I would end up getting Tucker Max on email. And then I got him on email one Wednesday, actually, I was literally in my little studio in LA and I convinced him that I was going to be in, um, in Austin, Texas, uh, that weekend for something, which I was not at all. And, uh, basically he was like, yeah, let's, let's have lunch or something. And I was like, okay, cool. My treat. And, uh, he had no idea I was in college or anything. And I booked a ticket and left that Friday and spent like a night in Austin. So that was a cool experience. I did something similar with a company called dry farm wine up in Napa, the founder, Todd white. I had him on my podcast, which is a really good episode if anybody wants to go back and listen to it. But essentially I was obsessing over Todd's like hiring process, which is like super, super intense. And they end up building this like massively successful culture within the organization. And so basically like convinced him again that I was going to be in the area, like booked a smart car convertible and drove up to Napa for the weekend to spend a weekend with him. I love it. I love the hustle. That's how like I got to meet with Sequoia Capital, which is another story, but the hustle, I love <laughs> the hustle. And the, what have you been finding in your journey in being a podcaster now? And I think to your credit, when I started podcasting in 2013, it just wasn't cool and wasn't a thing. And so it's a lot harder. There's a lot more competition now. There's a lot more people who want guests. And so there's a lot more opportunities for guests to be able to say no, because there's just so many podcasts. So yeah, I think kudos on you for having a great show when it's a lot harder. 
you know, to your point, like there are so many podcasts and like we spoke about this on Clubhouse, like when you brought up Harry Stebbings and like kudos to Harry Stebbings, like he's built like such an awesome career for himself with a podcast. But it was something that I definitely like tried to challenge myself with, like when I started it and well, it was originally like tech in general, but then narrowed down to VC. And so when I narrowed it down to VC, I basically like asked myself, okay, here's the competition out there. If this is a company, which, you know, essentially a podcast is a product, it's an audio product. I was like, how am I going to differentiate? And so when I looked at what Harry was doing, I basically, like he was basically like the the person I looked at and said, okay, I have to be different than what Harry is doing. I can't be another like college student trying to interview VCs because that would just come across as annoying. And so, yeah, like to your point, I think that there are a lot of podcasts, but I think at the same time, a lot of them are so similar that it's not as hard as people think to come up with a different way of packaging audio content. Not everybody may know about Harry Stebbins and who Harry Stebbins is. Share with us a little bit about the 20 Minute VC podcast. Yeah. So Harry Stebbings is a guy from uh, London. And essentially, I think he started a podcast when he was 17 or 18. It was called like 20 Minute VC. And it's wildly successful now. It's like the top venture capital podcast. And essentially, he would just do these short snippy interviews, uh, cut them up to 20 minutes. And it was his way of like building his way into the industry. And he started with like the ambitious intent on raising his own fund. And he raised an $8 million rolling fund, I think just after the pandemic happened. So he has a rolling fund and he has another like fund with two other uh, partners now too. And so like obviously wildly successful. And I think they get like 14 million downloads a month or something crazy. But yeah, I mean, he was doing something that was different, right? Like there wasn't anything out there that was venture capital, 20 minute short snippy. Like there wasn't that like, Hey, I'm driving to work. What's 20 minutes I can throw in the back or whatever. And as far as I know, he went from knowing nothing and wanting and starting his podcast to learn to becoming one of the youngest venture capitalists in the world, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. And he like, he literally raises them. I think he is like the youngest, youngest general partner ever for sure. It's crazy. Which is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And so, okay, talk to us about the art of how you differentiated yourself. Yeah. So again, like I think it comes back to like how anybody would start a company. I think it like, I mean, obviously at first it was like not differentiated at all, but when you really want to differentiate an audio product, I think you do it the same way. Like you need to do your market research. Like it's the same process. Like I basically, again, like to walk you through my process, I looked at what was out there, right? Like 20 minute VC is like the top. There are other players that do like venture capital. How I built this is like, obviously like something that has a similar format or like narrative to what I want to do, but it's like a different, like there are like a longer form podcast. I like to cut mine up like shorter, but again, like look back, like if you want to start a podcast in business, what I would do if I were to do it again is like, look at everything that's out there, pick your niche, look at what's out there and then narrow in on your audience. And I think it becomes very clear because you're not trying to come up with a different product and then just like do it. The best way to do it is like figure out who your audience is, figure out what they want and like what's the best way to package that content in a way that makes sense to them. So I do think it like goes back and like starting a podcast is like starting a business. And I stand by that. I think influencers are operators too. I love that, that influencers are operators too. What are some LA tech companies or resources you've come across that have really impressed you? Yeah, I'm going to go back to Max just because he really has been so helpful to me. He's someone that definitely likes to fly under the radar. I had a hard time finding him, but like his website was just like this 
I don't know. It was just like randomly I came across it and it was like contact. It was a very simple like website, white background, like with black font. And it just gave like all the stuff that he did. And he was like at the bottom, it was like, I love to help young founders. If you're doing something cool, like reach out. And I basically had no idea what I was doing. And I just reached out to him and I was like, Hey, I think I want to do this, but I don't really know what I'm doing. Will you be on my podcast? And he was like, yeah. And so Max has definitely been there for the beginning for me. And he's really been the one that like, you know, if I don't know what I'm doing, I usually call him because he's done it a bunch of times. I really, unfortunately, didn't get to run into a lot of like the structured programs out in LA because we're like super quarantined and everything. But I, I do think it's one of those places though, where like you get out there and you just start meeting people and it's like people out there are just wildly open to meeting other people, which I think is really cool. Different than New York. What would you like to see in the sense of like, while we're in this pandemic to unify the community, do you know, like what would be cool for you? Yeah. So I was actually just on the phone with somebody earlier today. His name's Shane Mack. He's not from LA, but. <laughs> I know Shane. Oh, you know Shane? I very yeah. know Shane. <laughs> So Shane basically was was a young guy and like did something similar. He started producing content. And at the time, like podcasts weren't podcasts. He said they were called like Skype sessions or whatever. Like he would just record 10 minutes on Skype with someone, but essentially a podcast. And it was called Ask. And the whole thesis behind it was like, if you just sit down and ask somebody questions and just learn as opposed to like talking to people about yourself, you'll like, you'll just increase your learning curve and you'll just like, I don't know, you'll get there quicker. And so he was young, he was doing that. And he basically turned the Ask brand into like these dinner series. And he would invite eight people. He would hire a moderator for the dinners and everyone had to wear a suit. And what was the other thing? You had to bring a notebook. So like he would encourage people to take notes, but he structured it in such a way that like people just really connected with each other. And I thought it was really cool to learn about. There's this other book out there. It's called The Art of Gathering that I read. And I found that super helpful, but I've been super, super interested in the idea of building like small communities and small gatherings with people. Because I feel like now that we're digital, so many people are like, oh, cool, we're on Zoom. Now we can invite 300 people to this event and call it a conference. But in reality, I think that intimacy creates a lot of like those strong bonds. And I think that those like connections and like having meaningful friendships with people that you work with is what's really going to accelerate your career. It's not like, hey, I was at this conference with 300 people. Totally. So I started the We Are Light Tech Experience Club. Actually, I was really scared. It wasn't called the We Are Light Tech Experience Club at the time. I just wanted to create this thing to form meaningful connection because we had that when we started in LA Tech. And then it seemed like as LA Tech was getting bigger, people just didn't really know one another anymore. So I'm like, how do I create that backyard barbecue kind of vibe? And I was afraid that nobody would like care as much as I did. And I remember talking to my contact at American Airlines. She's like, why don't you just like ask? Why don't you send out like a form and just see? I got at the time so many applications, like it was crazy. And so, and then I limited it to 150 people because I read somewhere that after 150 people, it like destroys culture and I'm all about culture. It's 150 people and they had to pay quarterly. And I didn't know what it was at first. It, this was in, I believe this was in 2015. First, I actually started with a pilot event, which was a Hawaiian themed dinner party in my house. <laughs> and it was amazing. <laughs> and we had this big picture of everybody on the couch. But then after that, that's when I sent out like the survey thing. And that's when people officially like started signing up and they paid quarterly. And the reason why I had them pay quarterly is because I had to have the money to fund the things that I was paying for. So it's like, if you're not really in, like, I can't just buy things, you know? And so 
they paid quarterly and I uh, purchased like experiences. I would study experiences all over LA and it was just like really fucking cool. Like people even like we've had members that like contributed their yachts and we'd go on like a, a yacht, a catered yacht boat ride, escape rooms. People love the escape rooms. Horseback riding, clay pigeon shooting, escape rooms were really, really popular. I found like axe throwing. Like we we even all went to Bass Lakes to a log cabin and had a weekend retreat. We went uh, snowboarding, snow tubing together, like at the mountains. I was planning on a San Diego like getaway and renting out this huge place for all the members to like meet one another and have this like really cool retreat and, you know, pandemic. So... That's crazy. So yeah, and now I'm shifting with the pandemic from like what's a high value experience like that offline now look like online, if at all. And I'm just trying to figure out what that means. Yeah. And I remember the very last experience we did, the members understood as well as I did that something weird was, you know, I think it was like in March that something weird was going on in the world. And this may be our last experience together. Super trippy. And they valued it so much. Like they were like, we're so glad we had one last feeling of normalcy. People got married through the club. They've had babies, co-founders, roommates, raised money. But the requirements are, so we have a no LA flake policy because People are so flaky in LA. You don't know yet because of the pandemic, there's no commuting, but people are super flaky in LA. So there's a no <laughs> LA flake policy. You have to respect one another's time. We have like a really strict culture code. And so respecting one another's time, not flaking, being a collaborative person, the person of service, like it's a very safe environment so that you could elevate one another and support one another and not feel like the problem that I found out with these like really prominent accelerator groups that would have these amazing chat forms. I'm like, don't you get everything you need out of those like fancy chat forms? They're like, no, because I have to look like I'm perfect all the time. And I'm like, oh man. So it was a place where you could be yourself and seek the help that you needed in a really like safe way where the community wanted to elevate and support you. So in other words, like it was person first as opposed to like position first. Like I love that. Yeah, yeah. that's something I've that I like, think said, about a I lot. That? <laughs> yeah, please do. Please do. Because like I've been challenging with that too. Like one of the things I've always thought of is like building a community around the idea that like, you know, it's a people first community and you're like, it's almost like you want to go into the experience not knowing what everyone does for a living because it just makes the connections so much more authentic. Like if, if everyone knows like Ashton Kusher is in the room, like obviously like subconsciously people are just going to gravitate towards him because it's Ashton Kusher. But like, yeah, I completely agree. Totally. I call it we're accessible, but curated because I can't stand exclusive because then it's, it's not fair. And I wanted to create something where somebody like a new designer just out of college or starting out in their career, but is like crazy talented, has the opportunity to meet the billionaire. And so people would always say, why don't you charge the more seasoned people more? And da, 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 da. like, no, I want it to be fair for everybody. Like one price and like everybody has that. And, you know, I just... I'm all about principle. So we'll see what happens. I have a lot of stuff in mind. I'll run it by you, see what you think. But I just want to make sure like wherever we evolve like the experience club, but however we evolve the experience club to be, that it stays incredibly connective and meaningful. Like people loved it. Like I loved it. Like I met some of my best friends through the experience club. I would have culture fit calls with every single person before they were 
accepted into the, because I was funding the thing with my hard work. I don't like have a trust fund or like some big acquisition. So I just really believed in it. And so it was very easy if someone wasn't the right culture fit. I'm like, and I don't want to pay for you. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to take my resources and invest in an asshole. Like even at a restaurant, like people go, are you allergic to anything? I'm like, yeah, I'm allergic to assholes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I'm going to steal that one. <laughs> you can. People first, not position first. I love that. But I'm curious, like in the pandemic, how do you unify people in a way that is not annoying? I've experienced some of the most premium Airbnb experiences. And I'm like, nope, <laughs> like this ain't it. Like I'm still at my computer and I don't want to be in front of my computer right now. <laughs> so what do you do? Like, how do you, I, do, I mean, maybe you don't have an idea, but I'm just curious, like someone new to LA and you're like, I want to connect with the tech community. Like my job is to make that happen for you. What do I do for you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so I think it's like interesting because I go back to the same approach I took when I was coming up with the podcast idea and it goes back to like looking at what's already out there and, and thinking about how to differentiate. I don't know. I feel like the same way people look at podcasting and they they kind of do the same thing as everyone else. They fall into that trap. I think it's the same thing with online events. And I think there is a way to to make them fun and different and people get people excited about them. Like, I don't know, like part of me was thinking like, what if you had like an online dinner? Like, I don't know. That's just so wild and different that like people wouldn't really expect it. I would be interested in attending one. I think it would be kind of cool where you just like, everyone's in like if you had a theme like Mexican everyone has to make Mexican food or order Mexican food and then you eat dinner together and there's a moderation I'm just like throwing stuff at the wall now but no, I think like, there are you need ways to, like, this guy, me to your Mexican yeah I want to go to your taco <laughs> Tuesday your digital taco Tuesday maybe we will wait for the tacos until I get back to LA because they're not nearly as good out here but <laughs> I know you're home for the holidays I miss having one of the core pieces of the we are LA tech podcast was having our podcast studio I've had a podcast studio since I started podcasting in actually start production in 2013 but it aired in 2014 and I've had a podcast studio since then it's never been a remote show and so it's been really different. I miss when guests can meet one another, you know, like there's just, I don't know, I'm trying to, I've been really doing a lot of research on how do I unify community in a meaningful way when it's not so socially acceptable to be in person, which is so weird to say, but I might make you my guinea pig as I'm trying to figure it out because you're the person that I want to serve, you know, like that's like, how do you connect? It's up to me to figure out how to like how to make your experience here in LA Tech rich. <laughs> yeah, there. I mean, there are definitely like pockets of people that are just doing interesting things that I just stumble upon. I'm like, wow, that's such a cool way to interact with people. Like, another example that I'm thinking of is there's this this venture fund in Detroit called Ludlow Ventures, and the three guys that run it are super super cool. But essentially, they started this this show called Carpool VC. And the URL is just carpool.vc. And essentially what it is, is Jonathan Triest and the other GP, I think his name is Brett something. They get in Jonathan's car and they like find a guest and they literally just pick them up and they drive around Detroit doing like a really funny interview and they record it with like this camera on the dashboard of the car. But it's just such a funny show. And it's like, it just brings people together it's super meaningful. The guests will remember it forever. Like I, I would never forget like driving with Brett and Jonathan in their car and them just like cracking jokes and stuff. But yeah, I mean like that's just one example and the dinners are another example. I just think there are like such unique ways of bringing people together that have our, 
are still untapped. And I'm like super, super fascinated. It's like digging into those and figuring out how to create more of those. Totally. Completely agree. Connor, it's been amazing. How can people connect with you? Do your shout outs. Yeah, totally. So I'm Connor Robbins 3 on all social platforms. Connor with one N. I spelt like Connor McGregor. <laughs> um, and then you can go to my website, theartof.vc, and I have a contact form there. So you can just reach out via email and all. Are you taking guests? Yeah, anybody in the VC industry, like reach out. Like I totally will do an episode with you. <laughs> and you do it remotely via Zoom, right? Yep, all, all right. via Zoom. Awesome. Thank you so much for hanging out with We Are LA Tech. To connect and collaborate with more incredible people in the LA Tech community, remember to go to the We Are LA Tech Facebook group at wearelatech.com slash community. That's wearelatech.com slash community. Say hello on social at We Are LA Tech, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. I will see you guys, talk to you guys, hear you guys in the next episode. Bye. Bye. This is Connor Robbins, host and creator of The Art of VC, accelerating young Gen Z's understanding of the asset class from Los Feliz. You are listening to We Are LA Tech. The We Are LA Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. Community spotlight coordination by Anna Freebay. Music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The We Are LA Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the We Are LA Tech podcast. To support and collaborate with the community, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener at wearelatech.love. Linked in the show notes.